0: So two big weapons on offense for the Bucks did not practice on Monday. What does that mean for the big dress rehearsal Friday night against the Cleveland Browns? One player that Bruce Arians wanted to see did return, but that player, rookie Scotty Miller, is going to have to show up pretty big in the last couple games to make the roster. We'll tell you the latest on him. And the Rays would be the second wild card team in the American League if the postseason began today as we start this podcast. So what do they have to do? to keep that position for the remaining 36 games and who might be close to rejoining the race from the injured list. We'll break all of that down with Neil Solon's the Rays' pre- and post-game host on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, we know you have a choice of air conditioning companies. Listen, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on their qualifying equipment, so give these people a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, Millionaire. Hey, we're going to have a mailbag tomorrow, so get your questions in now, whether you have them about the Bucks, the Rays, the Lightning, USF, college football, anything that's on your mind. You can do that by submitting them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampa bay.com. And I guess, Steve, we had a question come up uh, that was sent to us on Twitter and it's it's part of my pro for for Remember how Saturday Night Live used to have the character Debbie Downer? Mhm. <laughs> Which was one of my favorite one of my favorite all-time characters. So we're talking about the, the other or I'm sorry, the Bucks the other night and talking about all that they have to face with the schedule and their salary cap situation being better next year. And I think we probably left the impression that, you know, no matter what anybody said, we're going to go, "Yeah, but then there's this." And then, "Well, what about that?" And we're like you know, Debbie Downer. So we got a question about that, and uh, and it was a good observation as well.
1: Yeah, Les uh, commented that it sounds like we're both giving up on this buck season and looking forward to 2020. He says he's looking for 8 to 10 wins this year.
0: You know what? It's, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And the first thing I'll say is this is the NFL, and as soon as you think you have it figured out, you know, you don't because about four play teams – to five teams make the playoffs each year that were not in it the previous year, so the turnover is great. You know, on on that side of it, could the Bucks be part of it? Well, it's been eleven seasons in a row since they have not, you know, they have not been in the postseason. But it, their time is is coming. Statistically, you would you would imagine that. And I'll say this: Look, Bruce Arians has done this before. You know, one of the reasons why they went with him, he's a two-time NFL Coach of the Year, and. You know when he won those those awards? When he went into Indianapolis with Andrew Luck after Chuck Pagano got hurt and went nine and three and made the made the playoffs. Then he went into Arizona, which was a team that, you know, was flatlined, much like the Bucks have been, and he made the playoffs. And so and I think he went ten and six the first year, if I'm not mistaken, and then eleven wins and then twelve. So he has turned things around and done them quickly. I think he sees I can tell you this for sure. Those coaches, and especially Bruce Arians, they think it's going to happen, and it happened right away. Um, they have looked at this roster. They have you know, gotten all the all the players uh, that they think fit their scheme. In fact, in some cases, whether it's Vernon Hargraves, a guy like Carlton Davis, just Noah Spence, all kinds of players fit this scheme better than they did the traditional 4-3 Tampa 2. So there's a lot of optimism at one-buck place, and I'm sorry if I kind of like said what I said, I I personally think it's very tough to to sort of navigate a schedule that does not have you playing in your home city or your players sleeping in their own beds for seven straight weeks, much less, you know, being in the NFC South where you've been in the cellar eight out of ten years. And, oh, by the way, Drew Brees is still playing in New Orleans, who are the favorites. Cam Newton seems healthier and throwing the ball really well. in Carolina, who's improved their defense in Atlanta – which must win to save you know, their head coach's job, uh, has Dirk Cutter as the offensive coordinator, which worked before, and they got several of the defensive players back that were the key to their defense that were out all of last season. So you add all that together, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that anyone is really bullish on the Bucks. However, you raise a good point. I mean, if, if Bruce Arians is that guy, and he has been pretty much his whole career in the NFL as a head coach anyway, then this could turn rather quickly. Um, So we'll see. I mean, eight and eight, eight wins, not out of the realm of possibility. You know, you're in a lot of games. They've they've won five the last two years. I could show you easily two or three games that go a different way with a made field goal, right? With um, one more stop on defense. And so if you look at Todd Bowles and you look at the kicking situation, that could potentially be good for two or three different outcomes by themselves. So you know, I always say this, if this team or any team in any given year can get to 7-7 seven and seven with two games remaining in December, they're going to be on that board as a potential wild card playoff team, you guarantee it, and they'd have to win out uh, to get their 9-7 and seven and potentially make the playoffs. And it doesn't always happen the best way, and the only way to guarantee that is to win your division, um, so we'll see. But, you know, we don't know if Drew Brees is going to you know, continue to be that guy that's thrown for as many yards as he has. At some point, Father Time is going to catch up to him. We don't know if Cam Newton can stay healthy for a full season because he hasn't done it in quite a while. That shoulder has given him trouble. Um, it seems to be on the men now. You know, And and, and Atlanta has, has been so up and down uh, really through since they made the Super Bowl that it's difficult to get a real read on them as well. So you just – that's why they play the game. So, I, again, Debbie Downer is sort of what I was. That was Tom Jones's role when we had a <laughs> we had a radio show, as you know. Well, someone had I to step optimi- up and take that role. I was the optimistic guy, um, but I'm also realistic. I've done this a little bit, a little bit, and I'm rarely like completely surprised by what happens. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised when Dirk Cutter went nine and seven, in the way they did it—winning on the road, winning late, winning with guys like Cecil Shorts and and people like this. Um, but it does happen, and Jameis is in his fifth year. He's got Byron Leftwich as his coordinator, Clyde Christensen as his coach, as his uh, quarterback's coach, and, and Bruce Arians running, you know, essentially running his offense. So anything is possible, and yet I think they would be doing backflips, as most of the Buck fans would, if they were to win ten games. I mean that that is exactly why uh, in the in the greatest hope they had when they hired Bruce Arians to begin with. All right, so I was at a one-buck place on Monday, and a couple of major players on offense were not working, and it was a little concerning if you're a Bucks fan, I would think. Mike Evans, who kind of pulled up at one point, looked like a quad injury a day ago on Sunday after making a catch. He was not uh, practicing. And also Ronald Jones, who is somebody that Bruce Arians mentioned on Sunday, had gotten some swelling on his knee. Now, I'm not comparing these two things because – Arians said that it looks relatively minor, and he expects Jones to, to be back in a day or so and probably play Friday night, which is the good news. The last time that Bruce Arians mentioned a guy was swelling on his knee was Levante David, who wound up with, you know, meniscus surgery. So for Ronald Jones' sake, you hope that that's not the case here. But anytime you hear knee and running back, that's never a good combination. So he was not on the practice field. And look, I mean, it, I, I think it would be very difficult to play these guys even if they're the least nicked up, because they're not going to play the final preseason game at all. I mean, Bruce said today, "Look, my philosophy in that final preseason game is no starters play, none. Okay, 22 out of 22 are sitting standing by me because they've already made it to the starting line. That was your goal when you started training camp. Let's get everybody healthy. Let's get them all ready for the, the 49ers uh, season opener uh, at Raymond James. And so they will be there when they get to that fourth preseason game. No need to play them. I think the same is true now. Um, you know you know what Mike Evans can do. Yeah, he hasn't caught a pass in the preseason in a game. big deal. Uh, the offense has only been out there for really two series the entire preseason. They may play a third, maybe they play two series, you know in this in this really the, the big dress rehearsal of the third preseason game against the Cleveland Browns. Maybe they don't. Uh, but in any case, you know what Mike Evans can do. You want to preserve him. So I'm not sure he goes out there if he's dinged up and the same is true with Ronald Jones. I mean, Ronald Jones, in the first two games, has run the ball very well. He did miss a Blitz uh, pickup, which got Jameis almost flattened, and somehow he, you know, wriggled out of there and managed to make a positive play out of it. But Ronald Jones looks like a different player, and so you want him, you know, to be as healthy as he can against San Francisco. If he carries the ball, he's going to get lots of contact. That's one of those positions you can't avoid it. So I think that you know, if there's anything that's nagging him. By Friday, I don't see him playing. And, again, the the whole goal is to have all your weapons, and those are two big ones that they're counting on for the regular season. Outside of that, they did get one player back that Bruce Arians has continued to say, I want to see Scotty Miller's behind back on the field. And Scotty Miller's had a hamstring now for almost three weeks. I mean, he's missed two preseason games, the first two. You know, in OTAs, um, this guy was supposed to be the real darling of the offseason workouts. And, of course, you're out there in shorts. Nobody can hit you. There's not a ton of contact, not a lot of jamming at the line of scrimmage and those sort of things. Uh, but Scotty Miller was sort of taking that role of Deshaun Jackson a little bit, more so than Adam Humphreys. He's an outside receiver who can absolutely take the top off of defense. Terrific speed, sub-4-3 guy, and was catching the ball very, very well. But hasn't been able to show anything since training camp uh, really kind of started, or certainly since the game started. So for him to practice on Monday is a good sign. We'll see how he responds to that practice. He looked okay afterwards. If he gets able to get back out there again the next day or so, then you'll get to see him in his first NFL preseason game against the Cleveland Browns. I would think that you will see him also return some kicks, whether that's kickoffs or punts. They were using him as a, as a punt return guy. Because that, you know, as we know, that fourth, fifth, and and possibly sixth receiver are all going to have to make big contributions on special teams, especially a guy like Scotty Miller, who's not going to get on the field a whole lot because of his size. He's not going to play in the slot. He's not going to start for you. So he's going to have to be big on special teams. So that'll be a big opportunity for him in this game on Friday night against the Cleveland Browns. All right, the Rays are coming off a big series win, of course, over the Tigers, where the offense did just enough in two walk-off victories. The pitching was terrific, and they were set to host Seattle as we take this podcast before Monday's game. And we had a chance to catch up with Neil Solon, as the Rays pre and post game host. And Neil, as we uh, as we do this podcast, the Rays are 21 games over 500 with 37 to play. Uh, it looks like the division's probably out of reach with the Yankees, but uh, they're they're really right there. Uh, For the playoffs, so how do you see these last six weeks short of shaping up for the Rays? This is going to be a sprint right to the end—a sprint
1: with a battle of survival at the same time. Um, You know, I I think obviously they have to do what they they did the previous two weeks, which is beat up on the lesser teams. Um, They've gone almost at about a seventy percent win clip against the teams that are under five hundred in a stretch of twenty-one straight. They started out by going ten and four, so. You know, if they go 5-2 and two against Seattle and Baltimore, that would be great. Um, and then that first week of September, when they face Baltimore and Toronto, they're going to have to take advantage of opportunity again. Um, and then beyond that, I, I really think it's going to be a battle of survival just because, you know, you don't know when you're getting, hopefully, Tyler Glass now back or Blake Snell or Yanni Chirinos. And so in this year where it's the last season where you're allowed as many guys on the 40-man as you want in September – I expect that the Rays are going to use every single body they can to try and get every win out of this ball club.
0: Uh, it's really been a war of attrition to watch the Rays and, and some other teams as well. You know what's been unusual, uh, Neil, is that the Rays have played so much better on the road compared mm-hmm. to the Trop, which is usually the opposite uh, of most teams, um, but they've been exceptional on the road. So just to look at that side of it uh, for for a minute, what what has made them – sort of successful away from the trap?
1: You know, I think it's hard to say. I mean, I've talked to a lot of players about it, and for most of them it's it's hard to really understand, other than simply they haven't hit well at home. Um, you know, you look at their numbers, their pitching numbers, and they're the best run prevention team in the American League. They've been equally good or close to equally good pitching at, at home or on the road, and, and simply put, they just haven't been able to score runs. Now, is that individual players who've had – huge gaps you know Willie Adamas comes to mind is a guy who's almost Mm -hmm. hit twice as well in the road as at home Um, or is it just you know a matter of some circumstance and getting teams at the right or wrong time I think it's probably a combination of all but I certainly think they're capable of playing much better um, at home during this final stretch of the year
0: you know you mentioned the offense Uh, last week uh, hopefully for them was the outlier but we know that uh, they're going to struggle at times scoring runs so where did it go last week? I mean, we, we we when I look at players like Austin Meadows, he's been down for a little bit. I mean, certain guys just aren't as hot as they probably need to be right now in the middle of their order, right?
1: I, and I would say almost for to a man, I mean, other than maybe a couple of guys, I think G-Man Choi swung the bat well, and he had the game-winning hit on Sunday, and Tommy Pham came up with a big home run in that game on Sunday too, and has started mm-hmm. to swing the bat better after the bad hand, but I mean, you can look up and down. I mean, there's not really another guy who you can say is hot. In fact, I would argue that most of the guys are cold versus hot um, yeah. in this group. And, look, they're missing pieces, and that's part of it. But, you know, I think to a man they also would probably say, you know, when you're facing a team like Detroit that's one of the bottom five teams in terms of pitching and baseball, um, those are the kind of teams you should take advantage in, in, of. And it almost seems like the softer the tosser, the more trouble the Rays have with them. Um, and that's why I think the Mariner series may be – tough at times because seattle has thrown a lot of soft tossing lefties at them and made the games in seattle very close uh they were very competitive even though the rays won all hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news
0: You mentioned uh, some of the guys, you know, perhaps coming back. I mean, Brandon Lau and Joey Wendell, I, I guess, are getting closer. Um, when they do come back, sort of, how does that, how they fit in now with, uh, you know, the ones that are now currently playing, guys like Matt Duffy and Sogard and Brasso and Adamas and those guys.
1: Well, I mean, I think of the injured guys, I would guess that Avi Garcia might be even closer to coming back than the rest. I mean, they're thinking that he's going to have a minimal stay in the injured list, and I think he probably slots in nicely and is an important guy against left-handed pitching. I mean, in terms of Brandon and Joey, if, if, let's say, you're at expanded rosters in September, I would almost think that you're going to have a, a lineup against righty pitching. And a lineup against lefty pitching and the score is going to dictate when you flip the switch or if you flip the switch in certain games. Um, you know, I, I, I get a sense from talking to people that Joey is closer than Brandon right now, just mm-hmm. because um, the things that I'm hearing is that Brandon's gait is still not 100% what it was. And while he's not a speed guy, I definitely think his quickness defensively is a big part of his overall game beyond the, the power uh, ability in his swing. Um, and I think he is probably a plus defender when he's healthy, but if he's not, and he's not going at a hundred percent, I think the race have to think about, okay, how do we use him properly? Um, you know, if, and, and how much of a help can he be? And, um, I think that's what they're going to have to evaluate over the next several days.
0: You know, all year long, the story for the Rays, I think has, has been pitching and it just, you know, despite the injuries that they've had, obviously huge ones to Tyler Glass now and. Blake Snell and those guys—they uh, continue to do something. I mean, they did something the other day, Neil. That's never been done for the Rays, <laughs> maybe ever for anybody, uh, and that's 24 strikeouts and no walks in 13 innings. I—I I don't know how you put that in perspective. You watch baseball a long time. Uh, that's an incredible feat.
1: It is. I mean, even against a team like Detroit, um, that obviously has a lot of swing and miss in them right now, um, and is in a rebuilding phase, and is one of this group of teams. It's you know, at the the bottom of the of, of major league baseball. I mean, still twenty four strikeouts and no walks is amazing, mm. and and I think that I mean it started with the guy who set the tone, and with the injuries you mentioned, Snell and Glass now, and Yanni Torinos now too. I mean, right. Ryan Yarbrough's development and evolution have really been amazing, and I think it comes down to the simple fact that he attacks the strike zone and he trusts his stuff. I mean, it, you know, in contrast, some of the guys that we've touched on he's usually under 90 miles an hour. He's below bat speed, yet he changes speed so well and he hits his spots and trusts his stuff and pitches with such conviction um, that he's almost got an old-school soul in him, and it's allowed him to be very, very effective.
0: Yeah, that's been the biggest change, I think, in in, in baseball over the years is velocity, right? And you see that now with uh, you know the velocity off the bat even, the velocity on the mound. Really refreshing to see a guy like Yarborough you know, have that, the art of pitching, right? The The command of those, of the strike zone and of his stuff.
1: And a lot of times when the Rays have run into trouble, it's been guys who throw below 90 miles an hour that seem to give them trouble too. You know, I think yeah. pitchability is a thing. And I, you know, following the the minor league system um, as well, I think there are some guys that, you know, I start hearing comparisons to a Yarbrough type or something mm-hmm. of that nature. And look, the Trevor Richards, uh pitcher the Rays got from the Marlins certainly didn't have what I would call an overwhelming fastball. I mean, he generally was ninety to ninety-three, probably more ninety and ninety-one than ninety-two and ninety-three. So, I mean, and Colin Pochet is even though he's fastball, he will get it to ninety-four, ninety-five on occasion. Um, I don't think it's the velocity of the pitch, but more the characteristics of it that allow him to be successful when he's going really well. So I think the Rays have done a pretty good job um, on their staff of finding contrasts, and Ryan Yarbrough is is certainly, I think, one of the better contrasts that you could have on a pitching staff.
0: As far as their uh, bullpen goes, and particularly the back of the bullpen, of course, Emilio Pagan has uh, stepped in and done a, a very credible job uh, getting the last three outs in, in many of those games. Now you have Jose Alvarado who's sort of working himself back would you expect that that Pagan will continue in that role when he's available, or do you see eventually if Alvarado gets his command uh, that that he might uh, see himself on the back end uh, of of some games?
1: I, I would think at this point, it's probably more likely that Nick Anderson would pitch at the end of a game than Jose Alvarado would. Um right, and I right. say that just because at least the first couple times out from Jose, I still haven't seen the strike throwing. And Kevin mm-hmm. Cash has been pretty pretty pointed in those remarks that. If if he's going to have um, Jose pitch in the back end of games or in higher leverage situations, he's going to have to throw more strikes. In fact, I was probably most encouraged by that thirteen inning walk off one nothing win that Diego Castillo threw two innings and twenty pitches and threw strikes right. and pounded the strike right. zone. Um, you know, I think Diego looks a lot better right now than Jose. Um, but I think that you know, as good as Emilio has been, Nick Anderson's been a revelation. I mean. Um, You know, I said it uh, on on the postgame show over the weekend after Nick had pitched and struck out the side again. And I say again because he's now struck out 17 of his last 21 batters after giving (laughs) up a hit to the first guy he faced. I said, you know, everybody talked about, hey, the Rays need a closer. The Rays need a high end reliever. I'm like, I said, is there anyone in baseball who's doing what he is doing right now? I said, he has not allowed a base runner in his last seven innings. And as I say that, probably it's going to lead to some trouble this next time out. But, you know, I also had a, a lengthy sit-down with him last week um, when the team was on the West Coast, and I, I just think his story is amazing. What he's doing is incredible, um, and it's probably very highly underrated on a national scene and maybe even on a local scene too.
0: Give us a thumbnail because I know, you know, if people don't uh, do this, they're they're mistaken. You need to listen to Neil's uh, This Week in Rays Baseball. But um, you did uh, talk to Nick, and, and if you can just kind of preview, people can go back and listen to that sort of what his what his rags-to-riches story really is and what he's overcome to make it to the Major Leagues.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to to see him get to this point. I mean, here's a guy who had a, an alcohol-related incident while he was in college. It led to a, a short time in jail um, and led to him, in essence, almost being blackballed. I mean, he was drafted, but the, the team that drafted him would not sign him. He went through mm-hmm. independent ball for multiple years. In fact put too much pressure on himself, went to a—and started—decided to take a step back and went to a men's league, like one of these, you know, uh, wow. leagues that—yeah. So it's unaffiliated. He, from there, was able to go back to independent ball, got an a independently tryout, and a Twins uh, scout put his neck out for him, um, and he ends up playing minor league baseball, then gets all his highest AAA, gets traded to the Marlins in the offseason, from there, ends up um, with the Marlins, and then gets traded to the Rays as a deadline. So here's a 29 year old rookie um, mm-hmm. who had to go through a whole lot and really transformed himself. Didn't have a single drink for three years um, a- after the incident. felt that you know he was going. He he, he used the incident basically to change his life. Um, and I think you know, and he's and he seems like a, a really good guy with with good character that just made a mistake as a you know, as a twenty-something in college, um, and he was—he feels kind of fortunate that he's in the spot he's in, and I think that's that really highlights, you know, who he is as a person, um, mm-hmm. and and amazing that he's become, you know, this kind of story for this race group.
0: He came at the right time. They certainly were looking for help, and he's been lights out. Um, you know, there is. There is that thing. I mean, there's no reason his stuff wouldn't translate uh, when they if they needed him, as you mentioned, to the to the last three outs of the game. But you have to do it, right? I mean, that's just one of those deals mm-hmm. where you know it's a it's a specialized skill. You can be great innings one through eight, but there is something about getting the twenty seventh out, right?
1: There is, um, and I think there have been moments where this group has had a tough time finding guys to do that. I mean, what they had nine different guys who've gotten the last out of a ball game this year and gotten a save? Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I think speaks to, there are guys who have characteristics. I think Emilio has kind of developed that consistency lately, uh, and a confidence. And, and I think the staff has confidence in Emilio, but I think Emilio has confidence after he had a couple of blips, you know, against some of the, the top teams. Um, and this team is going to have some tough tests coming up. I mean, they're going to have, after the series against Seattle and Baltimore, you're going to have Houston and Cleveland back to back right before the rosters or right as the rosters expand. Um, so I think that's going to be a really, really good test if they're in some tight games then. Uh, but I think right now he's kind of garnered the opportunity and he's run with it. And You know, aside from a short blip, he's put up really, really good numbers.
0: I don't know that he predicted this, but he does come from the National League. His stuff has been tremendous. His command's been great. Um, but the, the guy, some guys are seeing him for the first time, right? Yeah, there is something to that.
1: Um, You know, there aren't the same advanced scouting reports because he still hasn't even been in the league for a year um, in Mm -hmm. Nick's case, and you know, even Emilio's case. You look at his career; he was in Texas. I mean, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. he was in Oakland and Seattle, so he's been with the teams in the West. Now, the Mariners, who they're facing, will know him, but. There are a lot of other teams that don't, um, you know, and yeah. I think he's done a nice job making adjustments, too. And I think the thing that stands out for Emilio, um, for Nick, even for Colin Pochet, um, because he's had a stretch here where he's been very good, is even though they've allowed some home runs um, in Emilio and Colin's case, they're still throwing strikes. I mean, their walk strikeout-to-walk ratio has been amazing, which means mm. they're still pounding the strike zone and trusting their stuff, which, you know, I think being a, a fan of the game like you are, Rick, you do see some guys who, when they start to give up a home run, they start to be scared around the strike zone and pitch too yes. carefully. And, and, and I think the thing that has stood out about both Colin and Emilio is, um, I, I'm going to trust what I'm doing, and okay, uh, whether it's the conditions, whether it's a bad day, whatever it is, I'm going to still be me. And, and that's, that's, that speaks to credit for both of them.
0: They've really done a nice job with that. Uh, one of the things they've benefited from is some better defense, I think, Neil, particularly from Willie Adamas. Look, there was a, a portion early in the year where uh, I don't know that you could really trust him on some of the routine throws over to first base, um, mm-hmm. to put it mildly. And, and now, Neil, he's, he's playing as good a shortstop as I've seen him play and maybe as good as is going right now in the American League.
1: I I definitely agree with that. In fact, one of the things I did on my last show was I sat down with Rodney Lenores, who is the third base coach and infield instructor, and broke Mm -hmm. down why Willie has gotten better and how he's improved. One of the things he said that really stood out to me is, you sometimes forget he's still only 23 years of age. He's going to turn 24 this month, um, but he's still 23. And um, Mm -hmm. Early in the season, I had a fan who was complaining to me about his defense, and I said, I said, please look up Marcus Simeon, because Marcus Simeon, who's now also one of the better shortstops um, in the game for Oakland, was horrific defensively and, and had was one of the worst shortstops in the game at the time, far beyond the struggles that Willie had. And I said, the A stuck with him and they worked hard with him and they spent a lot of time and they trusted that he would grow. And I said, everyone goes at their own pace. And for whatever reason, Willie has bought into all the drills that, um, that Rodney works with him on on a daily basis and has done all the work and it's paid off. His footwork is terrific now, I think, compared to where it was. Um, and I really think as an infielder, um, a lot of your success is based on how you move your feet. His footwork is good. Um, his arm is in the right slot. And he's really playing confidently out there at shortstop.
0: Pre-game routine has certainly helped. I'll get you out on this one, Neil. Um, we do have the September call-ups not too far away as we sit here uh, more than halfway through August. So what are some of the names in Durham that uh, might help the Rays uh, in September when they expand?
1: Can they bring up the whole roster? Cause they, <laughs> <if> <laughs> it's, pretty could, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, yeah. I mean, I, I do think there's something to that. I, I think, you know, when I say about eking out every win they can, I would yeah. not be shocked if, you know, there's a game, let's say they get Blake Snell out to three innings, and they go, okay, sure. we'll use Snell for three, and then we'll mm-hmm. use Trevor Richards for three, and they get mm-hmm. us to six and see what we have. Um, or they'll use mm-hmm. Snell and now for a game back-to-back mm-hmm. and go, okay, if they can get us through the first six innings combined, we're in good shape. Um, you know, I think there are some guys in Durham who I wouldn't be shocked to see at some point in time. I think a little more of Peter Fair- Fairbanks. I wouldn't be shocked to see some of him. Um, in the right moments, I think a guy that nobody has spoken about, probably that if they can make room for him on the roster, that would be interesting would be Cole Sulser. He's kind of a, a sidewinding righty who they got from Cleveland in the same deal where they got Yandy Diaz. Um, so and he's really, really pitched well lately. I think Sunday he had two more scoreless innings and in a league where the ERA, I think, is an average of five. He's like he started poorly and he's now down in the low threes. So I think those are probably a couple of the names Um, that I would think of, but I think off the bench, you're going to see Nate Lowe come up. I think you're going to see, um, it, it really will be an all hands on deck mentality. If the rules allow you this year still to use as many as you want. Um, if the race had 40 guys that they could use, I think they'd use all 40.
0: Blake Snell is the opener, followed by Tyler Glass now. I'm just trying to envision how that would set up for some teams late in uh, September. He's Neil Solans, and he's the the, uh, Rays' pre- and post-game host. He also does the play-by-play with Andy and Dave. And, uh, listen, you have to get uh, a chance to listen to his show this week in Rays Baseball, one of the best around. Thanks so much, Neil. We appreciate it.
1: You got it. Anytime. Thanks for having me
0: on, Rick. Always great to catch up with Neil. The Rays continue their series against the Mariners tonight at the Trop. And just a reminder, we're going to have a mailbag tomorrow, so submit your questions now. You can do that by hitting us up on Twitter at TV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstrout at tampabay.com. We're going to have Matt Baker, the Times College football writer, to join us on Thursday to preview the Miami-Florida game, which, of course, college football is back this Saturday. Folks, I know you have a choice of AC companies. Give our folks at Millionaire a call. For 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have been doing this in Tampa Bay. they got one of the best companies around. Right now, they're currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. So give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer. And you can also uh, schedule service or maintenance. That's 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort. Millionaire for Steve Ursnik, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tempe Times. Have a great day, everybody.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part?